0: On this season's premiere, we get hot with Cruel Intentions. Are we all out here to watch the rich eat themselves? Should we bring back frosted tips? And what superhero movie is Ryan Felipe going to show up in? Find out now you're listening to the season 4 premiere of 24 Flames Per Second. All right. One. All right. Two. All right. Three. All right. Four. Everybody, welcome to You Counted Them Four, the fourth season of 24 Flames Per Second. Everybody, this is the podcast that roasts the films we love the most. And as always, I'm your host, Robert Spiewak. And, uh, we're uh, happy to be back for one more year at least, and uh, we're glad that you're here listening with us, everybody. Welcome to season four. It's July. It's hot. We're all stuck in our houses still. It should be exciting times we're living in, and um, to uh, to just continue to push the envelope of what we all can handle. Um, each year, as we've kicked off a new season of 24 Flames Per Second, we've gradually gone up in movie MPAA rating of the movie that we kick off the season with. And so this season, um, as uh, I'll mention this before I even get into the fun facts, we're talking about Cruel Intentions, which is rated R. And so you, you if we go into season five, we're going to have to jump into season to NC-17. So I'm going to have to ask people what they're comfortable doing before we go further than that. Anyways, um, there was a, fun, a, a trivia I did read that was something like, the director and the or the producer and paramount both said we will not make this unless it can be rated r which for teenagers doing what they do in the movie kind of a weird stance for producers to take um but we will uh we will get into it as we get on into the show everybody thank you for being here and uh it's a uh, happy happy 4th of july also which is this week um if uh if you're feeling patriotic i understand if you're not uh, and uh, just just saying it to get it out of the way so everybody we're gonna we're gonna jump right in uh, i don't have someone across the city for me this week but that's okay uh i'll be the um the the dead sebastian to uh my journal which is my notes on the table that's what it, that's what it is um but everybody welcome cruel intentions let we'll, uh we'll, we'll dive right in and so um Here's what I know. Here's the the couple fun facts that I have are boring. And I purposely picked them to be boring so that we could just get on with it. And, um, and so I was reading through the IMDb trivia. And the uh, the script itself was, uh, the first draft of the script was written in 12 days of Cruel Intentions. And then the film itself was shot in six weeks. So this movie, from beginning to end, this was a rush job. I'll leave it at that. I'm not saying that makes it a good movie. I'm not saying that makes it a bad movie. I'm just saying that's what happened when they made this movie. And we'll uh, we'll get more into um, the quality of the movie later, as we always do. And so uh, as we keep things moving, we're going to jump into the panels. We're going to get right to it this year. Uh, we're not wasting anybody's time. We want to have as mo- more fun than we've ever had before. And so we'll start with the roasters, as always. Starting with uh, co-producer of Seattle's The Moth and a storyteller herself. Find her on twitter at casey rom casey rom hello hello how are you doing actually, I actually have a question yeah um the moth is the moth happening in seattle
1: um so currently uh the first moth story slam seattle specific virtual event will be on um july 2nd which i don't know if this is coming out after tomorrow that, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so good uh there's still time uh so, yeah, that's going to be kind of the tester. I think for a while, they wanted to wait and see if we were going to be able to have live shows. It became clear that we're not going to be able to have live shows for a little while. So right. uh, we're going virtual. Cool. Yeah.
0: Virtual moth. Um, sweet. Well, um, all that being said, it's good to have you here. Thanks for being here. Roasting yeah. for your intentions. Thanks. Um, and uh, next to her, uh, ideologically on the roasting panel uh we have an actor dungeon master to the stars find him on uh twitter at
2: not chris evans evan christopher hey robert how are you doing thanks for having me on the show good hi how are you doing oh i'm doing great i'm hyped i'm high i'm ready to go you're hyped yeah hyped yeah you're hyped and high okay yeah
0: mm-hmm. i'll I assume that's excited it's totally I'm very happy. i'm, I'm, I'm yeah. on board yeah <laughs> um well sweet uh yeah great to have you here and on the defense this week video game journalist and horror expert you can find her on social media at skaty b katie bennett hi hello how are you doing
3: i'm good um i've been you know journaling and listening to the verb all in Ooh. preparation of of this day
0: method defense yes um well we'll uh we'll see how it uh how it turns out for you uh yeah, we'll <laughs> i mean and there's i'm trying to think it's not a lot of movies you could method defense because of just i mean literature. i'm definitely
3: not a wealthy upper east sider so <laughs> i can't get that too i can't get too method with it
0: <laughs> that's fair yeah um but uh anyways it's great to have you here as well um as we kick off our fourth season everybody and so let's um <clears throat> at this point everybody should know how it goes we start a movie in a minute yep and uh We'll give you uh, sixty seconds and a three count to give us the full plot synopsis of *Cruel Intentions*, spoilers and all. And um, Katie, are you ready?
3: As ready as I'll ever be.
0: All right. As as with all things in life. Okay. So um, <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and we'll uh, we'll dive right in. So um, here we go with the three count. In three, two, one, go.
3: Okay, step siblings Sebastian and Catherine are wealthy Upper East Side high school students. Um, they are wealthy and manipulative. Uh, they manipulate everyone around them. Sebastian uh, reads a Seventeen magazine article written by the a new student in their school who also happens to be the headmaster's daughter, Annette, uh, where she talks about how she wants to save herself uh, for marriage. So he sees this as a challenge and plans to sleep with her before the end of the summer. Catherine bets that he will not be able to do it before the end of the summer and tells him that she will sleep with him if he is successful, and if she is, un- if he's unsuccessful, she'll take his car. So he begins to form a friendship with Annette. Meanwhile, Catherine is trying to sabotage new- another new student at their school named Cecile. Uh, she finds out that Cecile is having an affair with her cello instructor and pretends to help her with her affair but instead goes behind her back and tells her mother about the affair uh the mother who is kind of racist uh fires ronald and, and you're
0: uh, of time. Yeah.
3: there's a, a lot happens in this movie <laughs> there's
0: a lot of they're doing this they're doing that and then they're doing this and they said that and um so i don't blame you
3: i think i got like halfway maybe
0: yeah um so I'll, i guess to some to to finish it out i'll go through the two because there's kind of two storylines here and it's Sebastian with Annette and Catherine with Cecile, um, and you pretty much got you got close to the end of, this, of the Catherine Cecile stuff, um, where you know they ultimately it, it it's all intertwined. It's really hard to keep track of like the parallel storylines. So um, let's see. I was at uh, music teacher Cecile. They pretty much they blow up the um, the whole thing with the with the parent as I'm reading. Oh God, my notes are a mess. Um, I'm trying to find myself here. Um, Sebastian is sleeping with Cecile as some kind of initiation for her through Catherine's whole deal. Um, ultimately, I'm just going to solve this. I can't even make reason of this. Um, Sebastian and Annette, uh, do ultimately end up, uh, proclaiming each other's, love for each other so um Sebastian has this kind of uh moment where he's like oh annette i really am in love with her um and so he's going to change his ways and uh gives her his journal after they've blown it up and everything um and so yeah i i I have to keep returning to my notes this is very complicated um she realizes this and goes back to him. And then he gets hit by a car while the um, cello teacher, uh, Raymond, Richmond, Raymond, Ronald, Ronald. God. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, Catherine told him after they're already sleeping together that, um, that he, that Sebastian hit her. And so he's going to confront him and they run into each other in the park and they get in a fight and toss. Sebastian gets tossed over into the car. Oh no, no, no! Annette gets tossed into act into moving traffic, and Sebastian pulls her out of the way and then gets hit by the car, and he gets and he dies. And so then Annette with Cecile use his journal and publish all of his journal to pretty much um, you know pull the curtain back on how horrible Catherine is and. Um, her, her 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 everything is ruined too, um, and her parents find her her uh, cocaine rosary as we were we were talking about before we started the recording. <laughs> um, that's pretty much everything. Does anybody have anything to add? <laughs> no, you
3: pretty much nailed it.
0: That's pretty much it. I mean, you know, that's I, like, easy, I don't all
1: know if I would say nailed it. <laughs> but, you know, you got. I,
0: I it. didn't nail it. I'll
1: you covered, it. you covered.
0: Oh, and Quasey's here. Quasi late boy. Wow. Hey Quasi. We can hear you. Okay. <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> what is up? Oh, we, you uh,
1: missed
0: movie in a minute. You're <laughs> here just in time for the uh the break. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome. Um we're going to be here. <laughs> uh, okay. It's great. It's great to have you. Um, so, we're going to go ahead and, uh, Katie, we'll get your opening statements after a quick, uh, quick break. And uh, yeah, everybody, we will uh, be right back. Hey, listen up, all you filmmakers out there. If you have a film that you're ready to share with the world, consider submitting it to the 14th Annual National Film Festival for Talented Youth, or NIFTY. Submissions are open now, so send in your film today. Go to nffty.org slash submit. And we're back, everybody, with one more added, as you just heard before the break. Um, Katie and I both did pretty bad summing up the movie. Um, She did better than I did. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna get some opening statements, um, and also yeah, and our our good friend Quasim Phillips is also here uh, to uh, chime in as as DJ. I guess. <laughs> Great to be um, here, my friend. Yeah, um, and so uh, Katie, let's get your opening statements. Why are you here defending Cruel Intentions?
3: So there are a lot of reasons that I like this movie, but I think one of the main points of my argument today is going to be that it is universally. It's fun. It's always fun <laughs> to watch hot, rich people ruin each other's lives and ultimately uh, fail due to their own hubris. <laughs> okay. It is incredibly entertaining um, all the time. I, I, and then if you throw in the 90s music, 90s fashion, uh, witty lingo, and a cast like Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Phillippe, Selma Blair, and many others, like you just have this perfect perfect formula for a classic that will last for ages
0: okay interesting um i think uh roasters yeah casey we'll have you go first i don't know what you're going to start with i was going to say characters but feel free to jump in oh
1: that is where i'm going to start because Um, first off how dare you relegate reese witherspoon to so many others oh my gosh i knew i was forgetting somebody i'm ashamed
3: (laughs) i'm ashamed I'm sorry, Reese Witherspoon, she's listening and I I didn't mean to offend her.
1: But I think that that's part of the problem is that this movie does have a really killer soundtrack and it's flashy in fashion and, and nostalgic for the era and it has these great actors, but it doesn't live up to any of that potential because it's just so rushed to get all these competing plot lines together that it ends up making no sense that any of these people would behave the way that they're behaving. Like that this person who claims to be saving herself for love, not necessarily marriage, would give her virginity away in three days because she thinks she loves this guy who has been pretty much just trash the entire time. Very confusing.
2: Mm. Um, Yeah, Evan, go ahead. Yeah, um, I can't see a single character in this movie that really is one that you kind of want to cheer for. (laughs) <laughs> or want to be behind, really. I mean, you've got uh, Sarah Michelle Geller's character, who is a, a psychopath. She doesn't care about anybody except herself and her own, like, getting ahead in world. You've got um, Ryan Phillippe's character, who is a sociopath, uh, who does kind of care a little bit at points, but also has his own internal thing of wanting to get one over, like how he did with um, the... Uh, what was it? Um, Dr. Greenbaum, his therapist who mm-hmm. we see in the beginning is an, is a, is a hack therapist and he gets back at her by sleeping with her daughter, um, as, as a sense of revenge. Uh, you also can see some Blair's character who is supposed to be this like naive character, but she's so infantized in this and like acting like a small child for most of it. That when you do have that one point when Ryan Phillippe takes advantage of her, it becomes even more creepy. Um, you've, you you have most of the other characters are all just also auxiliary. You've got Joshua Jackson's character who's only in for like three scenes. Um, you have Sean Patrick Thomas's character who gets thrown around and has light racism thrown at him and um, has to and you don't really get to see the sense of overcoming that. And then you also have uh, who else? Uh, you have Reese Witherspoon, like Casey had just said, who just throws her whole life. Um, enablishment in, in, in her manifesto right out the door when she meets Ryan Phillippe for three days which I think really says in this movie which all we all understand that this is for teenagers even though it's rated R are now going to be looking at to admire and you know bring into their own lives and how they would how they're going to understand their lives when they get older to that kind of age. 17 year olds are teenagers
1: yeah
0: that's who it's rated R Anyways. <laughs> um, okay. You know
2: it doesn't necessarily mean it's not just for teenagers. <laughs> um,
3: okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, but I think to me, so I will agree every, almost everybody in this movie is horrible. And a lot of them are horrible in ways that I don't even think 1999 would have acknowledged is horrible. Um, but I don't think I don't think that they were trying to have any of these people seem necessarily redeemable. They do try to give Sebastian this little uh, redemption arc kind of there at the end. But I honestly think had he not died at the end, um, I don't, I don't even really fully believe that he would have changed for the better. I think he would have just gone back to his old habits eventually. So I don't think this movie really wants us to like anybody. I think Kind of going off of what I said in opening statements, I think it just appeals to this thing in our society where we kind of simultaneously idolize and demonize the wealthy. So we we demon, you know, we want to believe that they're up to like all these evil, awful things because they're so rich, they have all this free time to do it. Um, and at the same time, we're kind of like especially in the 90s, like kind of idolizing that and like wanting to have that kind of lifestyle. So I think the movie is kind of just a way for a lot of people to just kind of vicariously lit. it's kind of the same reason we watch like reality TV and stuff like we just love a, watching a good train wreck. And I just think a lot of these characters, while they don't have necessarily a lot of depth, the the actions that they're doing and like the kind of overall like juiciness of this story um, is what ultimately makes it a still fun and entertaining to watch, even though we can acknowledge that what they're doing is horrible and we would never actually condone it in our real lives, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Evan. Well, where I can see for that, they also do try to make ways like in the beginning of the movie to try to make you kind of want to cheer on for a person. Like in the beginning when they have Dr. Greenbaum who is, you know, a hack therapist trying to sell off her book to him and not really paying attention, constantly checking the clock, all the, stereotypes that we see about a bad doctor therapist kind of thing and then him getting one over on her even though it is a very terrible thing i think and we're thinking for 90s movies that some people are said like yeah sticking it to you know the people who are screwing you over kind of deal that's trying to give some kind of likability to that and with within this you also can see that these characters constantly tend to um also do very horrible things in, tr- in ways of trying to make themselves even likable more like, uh, like Joshua Jackson's character um, is the only um, like somewhat friendly uh, LGBTQ person that we have in the film. He's only in there for a couple of scenes and he's just kind of like the uh, stereotypical gay best friend of Ryan Phillippe that only you that he's only used to help set up another character so that he can blackmail him in order to uh, get more dirt on a net so that way he can get his conquest again and like this is the kind of thing that we're trying to show of that this movie in itself is all about you know the sen- the sense of sexual conquest and you know these teenagers teenagers lightly um finding their own sexuality in points and then you know like the only time in which i could even feel bad at one point for sarah michelle Gell- geller's character was when she talks about You know, that she enjoys sex and that as a woman she has to have this like prim proper sense. And you can see in this movie that there's so much slut shaming within it that it kind of goes against its own point that it was trying to say for that. So it just kind of of doubles over on itself constantly, just folding on one thing to another so that it becomes kind of haphazard.
1: Mm. Yeah, on that same scene, I think that's part of where my beef with this movie comes is that you get that really great sequence where she's talking about how she has to be the marcia brady of the upper east side and how she has to act nice to these people to get ahead and he gets to be a scumball and nobody cares and i thought that that would maybe go somewhere but then he's the one who gets the pseudo redemption arc and she's the one who ends up just completely fucked over in the end and like granted they were both terrible but i don't know that that he needed to be, like, deified in the end, and she needed to be crucified. Like, it was so bizarre to me that we got that little insight into her, and then it just didn't go anywhere.
0: Yeah. Katie?
1: Um, Yeah,
3: I think those are all really good points. I would push back a little bit on them deifying him in the end, because while... I do think, like I said earlier, they do kind of try to have a little bit of a redemption arc for him at the end where he at least um, realizes and acknowledges that the things he's done are wrong. But I don't really see them portraying him as like a hero by the end. If anything, Annette and Cecile are the heroes in the end because they're the ones actually passing, like photocopying and passing around uh, his journal. So while it is the words that he wrote that ends up exposing uh, exposing Catherine at the end. I don't think him giving that journal to Annette. I don't think was so that Catherine would be exposed. I think it was a gesture to to Annette to show that he wanted to be honest and tell her everything that happened. Um, and and I think I think they're all all the bad people in this movie get punished in the end, or at least specifically Catherine and Sebastian, because even though. Like, we, you know, like we've been talking about this redemption arc here, he still dies at the end, and he dies as a direct ch- result of this like chain of events that start with he and Catherine being dishonest and manipulative, and it eventually ends up biting them both in the ass, and he doesn't even live to get a chance at redemption. <laughs> um, so, yeah.
0: Hmm. Um, I would be curious, roasters, if we may... Um, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, Evan, because um, with um, with Catherine's monologue about, you know, having to fill the role of like a, of a prim, proper woman. Um, I know we were talking about kind of the gender dynamics at play here. Um, and some somebody said rapey exclamation point when we were talking about this at the beginning of the show. It was Casey. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> that um, yeah, yeah, I well. I hadn't watched this for a while um, until somewhat recently, and I had not remembered how horrifying the scene with uh, Sebastian and Cecile is
2: mm-hmm. where
1: he, quote unquote, seduces her, i.e. gets her drunk and makes her let him go down on her. It's super uncomfortable in like my current Self and I was I did not remember it being that incredibly rapey and it 100% is like I would consider that that manipulation that level of intoxication like a courtroom rape and Mm -hmm. so that was really awkward and and not something I remembered and then he also manipulates the shit out of Annette and ultimately gets you know her to have sex with him too and i i just hate it i honestly like feel so gross because i i don't understand how i let this movie get away with it in my memory for 20 years
2: yeah evan only that i mean you the other scene that helps that goes that kind of comes right after that as well is that you have um uh, Cecile will go and talk to Sarah Michelle Garrow's character um, afterwards about it. I'm just kind of like, yeah, your brother did this to me and like all that. And Sarah Michelle's character just just like defending him at every, co- at every case for it. You know, of saying like, oh no, you had an orgasm. It felt good. You know what you should do? You should go back to him and learn and get all the experience you can from this person who just took advantage of you. Yeah.
3: Um... um... Yeah, so I, S- Sebastian is horrible, and those actions are absolutely inexcusable. Like it, it definitely is is gross. Kind of watching that, um, like you said, Casey. I had a similar experience, like rewatching it again after it had been a while since I'd seen it. Um, and I think I don't want to give the the creators of this film credit for this because I definitely I don't know that this was their intention at the time, but looking. Watching the movie now, it, it's almost like holding up a mirror to how like society as a whole back then and now is still pretty ugly in a lot of ways and how everybody can be complicit in it. So while S- Sebastian is extremely predatory um, and definitely does take advantage of Cecile and manipulates Annette um, and many other women throughout the movie. We see that Catherine is is also complicit in this culture because of her own like internalized slut shaming that she even talks about during her little like Marsha Brady monologue. And by her defend continuing to defend Sebastian, she she asks him to seduce Cecile. I'm not blaming her for it, but she definitely is complicit in it, especially by convincing Cecile afterwards that it was a good thing when Cecile is clearly upset. Um, and, uh, and hurt at the start of that conversation. So, again, I don't want to give the the filmmakers credit because I don't think they were thinking that at the time. But it does give it a, an interesting layer to watch that again now um, because I think it, it shows how a lot of those things can can kind of have its roots in, in multiple places in society.
4: Mm-hmm. Quasi. Well, I think you guys have answered my first question about, you know, how this movie addressed se- the sexual recklessness, um, th- sexually, sexually reckless themes that kind of exist throughout. But this definitely was, at the time, probably uh, the most um, more like, explicit um, sexually awakening movie that had been out and in the mainstream and popular. And I'm curious how you think it's affected the way that sex is depicted in movies and um, I've kind of talked about because in this way, I mean, this, I don't know if this came out before after wild things and some of these other movies that um, were very much um, like trying to just have kind of up the bar on sexual, on sexual scenes and things like that. And I'm curious if you think that um, how, how this movie's impact uh, in, in sex in for sex scenes has like kind of shaped uh, been good or bad. And um, is it something that we, kind of just can't we should just let go of or and just say you know what that this this we can't you know allow this to be part of um or we can't look at it as like a standard anymore
0: yeah um i'll let katie go first and uh wild things came out in 1998 so the year before this
3: ah i love wild things i i i think i feel like this was a time when it was like we were trying to be more open about sex and specifically open about like teenagers having sex, but we didn't really know how to do it in a way that was proper or safe. And so instead the only way it got portrayed at the time, it had to be scandalous. Um, And I think for better or for worse, I definitely think this movie um, continued to influence teen, shows and teen movies um, uh, even now. I mean, I, I don't think Gossip Girl would have existed in the way that it did were it not for this movie. I see so many similarities um, in that show. And and so, I I mean, truly, I think it, the way it portrays sex is pretty irresponsible because it's, it's showing it only being used to manipulate um, and, and hurt each other and take advantage of each other. So I, I'm not sure how... I mean, I don't want to switch sides here, but I'm not honestly sure how great for society that was. Um, but I, I don't think it was trying to to have any sort of message at the time. I think it just was trying to, to do something sexy and, and fun and salacious.
2: Mm. Um, Evan? Yeah, um, so I feel like this kind of movie is very akin to a lot of the movies of like 98 to like 2002, 2003, um, it almost, cause it also, this is around the same year that like American pie came out. Right. And so I feel like where American pie is probably more centered towards for males right for looking towards for their dealings of how to handle, um, the sense of like puberty and having to deal with those natural urges for sex and that kind of deal. Like this one, I felt kind of went more towards for, for ladies because, um, you know, in my time going through high school for all of that, like that was kind of the, the in-between of that girls were usually talking about, you know, um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Ryan Phillippe and so forth. Well, then you had everybody else from, like, from male sides were doing, like, American Pie or um, Freddie Prinze Jr. and stuff like that because, like, the things that you had seen, you know, for at least hetero set, like, for myself, for people wanting to have, um, connections and having the stating thing is that everybody was kind of constantly connecting it with movies and how they're like, Oh, this movie did this. And I wish I had a relationship like that. And you know, this person's so handsome and I want that even, you know, I'd forgive them if they, you know, if for them doing that kind of thing, if they were that hot kind of deal. So it was a, it was a very confusing time, especially as you know, you're trying, a lot of people tried to somewhat imitate that kind of thing, especially like with doing like frosted tips or wearing the same outfits or trying to even the same lines from the movies. Um, you know, teenage sexuality is a very hard subject to have to talk about because this sense of having a pregnancy so early, but even though that, even though for that you have kids that are going to go out and do it anyways. Um, so having this kind of movie, I feel is very irresponsible because you have people now seeing this and like being like, "Oh, if you know, in their you know infantile minds for it being like, "Oh this guy did this, you know, maybe I can kind of mimic it in the same way and try to get the same results." Casey
1: yeah, agreed i I think that I understand like the scandal and and fun of this movie, but i I do think it's kind of inappropriate even the fact that i i have seen you know known about this movie for a long time i saw it for the first time when i was probably a young teen and it never occurred to me just how fucked up these characters were is telling that my younger less developed you know pre-sexual mind was like oh that's like a cool thing to do (laughs) haha he's kind of a jerk but not like oh he's a sexual predator like it just didn't occur to me then the way that it does now and so i do think that could be potentially harmful
0: Mm -hmm. katie
1: yeah i i agree and i i mean i think
3: that not to excuse it or defend it in any way but i i don't think the people making the movie realized it either like i don't think society At large, I'm sure there were specific pockets of people who would see this and recognize it as being problematic and harmful. But I think for the most part, um, the attitudes at the time, I mean, it's telling from even us, like you said, Casey, us watching it at younger ages. And we just were like, oh, yeah, they're kind of mean to each other. And all the creepy predatory shit just totally sailed over our heads. Um, So I think that's more of just a reflection of of that era of filmmaking as a whole.
0: Yeah. Evan,
2: Evan, you may be on mute. Uh, so one of the things that I noticed to kind of um, talk about another thing, because I know that we're going to be running out of time soon, um, was um, I noticed that uh, aside from three actors for having lines, um, of, there, was, there was only three people of color um, and having lines in this movie. Um, and most of them were either some kind of help to them or like in the case of Sean Patrick Thomas, uh, he was a tutor, but in the same way considered to be lower class than the rest of them. And I was wondering how you feel about that, Katie compared to like in 1996, when you had Boz Lerman who did, um, something very similar to this and doing Romeo and Juliet, where he had cast John Leguizamo as like Tybalt and you had, um, uh, Sean Verres as uh, um, Mercutio, um, who came off very well in that movie.
3: Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, the, 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 the portrayal of people of color in this movie is not great. They, there's not a lot of representation, and like you said, really the only characters that are of color are typically servants who don't really have any lines, and then Ronald's character is really not given a lot of depth or a full arc. He's kind of just there to push the plot along, Um, and I think, I mean, I think that just kind of reflects more on, on the people making the movie at the time for whatever reason they didn't feel for, well, for racist reasons, they didn't feel that this plot needed to have any people of color in, in, in the forefront. And I think that's a failing on the movie's part. Um, so I can't really defend that.
2: Yeah, Evan, go ahead. I have another question to go off of that then, because there is a point in the movie when they actually do bring up the sense of racism for it. So then um, when that part came up and I had noticed all this, I felt that it was a little, um, I can't think of the word for it, but um, uh, hypocritical, I guess, for them having that one point we're saying for the sense of racism, but then not actually really having anything else in the movie about that.
0: Yeah, it's when uh, it's when Christine Baranski um, is kicking him out for thinking he's, uh, and, and, you know, rightfully so, he is trying to hook up with Cecile,
2: so... Um, yeah, I, I will think say I'm this gonna... though but before before that, you did have Sarah Michelle's go, character go and talk to her and then kind of reveal that and the first word that comes out is her saying black. yeah oh yeah
3: she is definitely way more concerned with the fact that her daughter is sleeping with a black man than the fact that it's her um slightly older cello instructor. <laughs> um, yeah. and and that's definitely I mean, I think, I don't think they were trying to have a deeper conversation about that. And I think they literally just used that to, sh- to just show that her mom's kind of an asshole and, and they didn't give it a- any more time or depth to that
0: at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. See.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that that could have actually been a really interesting moment. And then it's, it's just over so quickly. Like he kind of gets a little bit of, Come up in's because he's not what she thinks he is but even that's sort of problematic and in, in its own way and so I felt like that could have been a lot more interesting I, I think there's a lot of missed opportunities in this movie both with his character and with Catherine's character and and their stances on what they've been through and how that affects them presently because it's just so hung up on the salacious nature of these kind of shitty
0: people being shitty to each other yeah um evan keep it short no new conversation no new discussions because we're about close to mask.
2: yeah no i was just gonna say that uh, one of the other things that i'd noticed was that um ryan philby's character had said that um, he had hated hypocrites for this movie and yet it seems like all the characters in this movie um, constantly seem to be doing very hypocritical things both to each other um, and from each other uh, which i thought was very interesting
3: Oh yeah, him. Even, he, him even saying that is is hypocritical. Him saying that he hates hypocrite, like he is a hypocrite. They're all hypocrites. They're all terrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, before we unmask, Katie, any other final thoughts? No. <laughs> great, love that. All right, then everybody, it's time to unmask. Let's talk about how we really feel. Uh, Katie, you may go first.
3: Um, great. So I love this movie. <laughs> um, yeah. I really do. I really do love this movie. I um although that doesn't save it from its faults. I definitely think, especially on my most recent rewatch, the, the problematic things uh, became a little bit harder to ignore. Sebastian is absolutely irredeemable and does not deserve a shred of a redemption arc, in my opinion. Um, but I stand by the thought that, that I don't think they were trying to redeem anybody. I think this is just, really leaning on just watching people fuck each other over as, as entertainment. Um, and I think just based on the fact that this movie is based on a novel written in 1782, um, I think that's just been a, a form of entertainment, uh, throughout human society.
0: See, now that's a fun fact I could have showed up with.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I gave it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Evan, How do you feel? What do you
2: think? Uh, I just like this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a very good movie. I think it's a very boring movie. I think there are much better romance movies out there where you can see um, something that is much more akin to actual problems than these rich people have that teenagers can actually connect to and um, feel more emboldened to correct themselves and have better behavior or to find that better behavior to um kind of fall into better advice um from the movies that they watch all right casey
1: um i for the most part really love this movie i do think this most recent watch felt ickier Mm -hmm. um that was true (laughs) uh but this was a very crucial movie to my upbringing. I um, I had like an entire summer where I played this soundtrack basically on repeat. Um, the song at the top of the movie, "Placebo," every me, every you it's is so like so good. It's burned into my eternal playlist canon. Like it's there. Um, so there, it 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 doesn't necessarily hold up, but the memory of it does. <laughs>
0: Right. Um Quasi. uh when was the last time you watched this?
4: <laughs> I watched this movie when I was I watched it once. Like the first time I watched it I was like maybe ten or eleven. And then okay. uh the second time I watched it in college. Um has been so it has been a while. Um and you think what you're I remember go I remember the, the rewatch. What's that? I I think I, say, you I think you're gonna go. Avoid, back I think I'm gonna avoid the rewatch. Yeah, I'm going to avoid a rewatch, I think. I think that it's it's definitely just been, you know, I feel like it, I, I, we've nailed a lot of those points on the head of just, like, it's just, there's so many problems. And I think that it, I have also personally never been a super huge fan of the super rich kid movies. Um, movies that kind of, like, address, uh, kind of focus on the, on the problems that are amongst, like, you know, the among wealthy adolescents. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm not, I've never been a huge fan of those movies to begin with. Um, so I don't know if this will come back into the repertoire, but you know, who knows. Uh, but in, in in general, you know, uh, I think you guys brought some amazing points about, you know, about this movie. And I think that it, 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 like in the pantheon the other movies that have come up in this podcast of, you know, should it, should it deserve the rewatch? Um, I think that at, at a certain point, I'm sure it'll come up again. So I'm, I'm not afraid, but I think for myself, I'm, I'm probably gonna avoid the rewatch. Ah. yeah. I, uh, I
0: don't think I've watched this since high school, which, um, was probably the time I was meant to watch it. Right. Um, based on what we were saying, it's for teenagers. um, And yeah, I think it's, I think it's well-made. I don't, I have a hard time empathizing with most of the characters' problems of the movie. (laughs) It's pretty much like we're bored Ivy League students that just want to be sociopaths, the movie. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I'll, if, I don't know the situation where I would watch it again. But if it comes up, I'll probably be like, I mean, if that's what we're watching, I guess I'm not going to go home over it. Like, um, So, yeah, I don't know. I think I think we pretty much got to all the problematic parts of it. And um, I'd be curious. Uh, I, I, just, I don't know. I'd just be curious if I literally ever watch it again. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, um, everybody. And so that'll do it for our season four. Premiere, Cruel Intentions, uh, thank you all for listening. We are going to keep talking about something on our extended play, which is our post show just for our Patreon supporters, and so if you um, want to listen to that and want to get on that and help support the show, head over to patreon.com slash 24 pod and you can help do that, and uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch, there's so many, so much backlog of goodies over there that you can also get access to if you um are of that mind um and yeah if you've got thoughts about cruel intentions that you think we need to know head over and you can email us at 24 flamespot at gmail.com and hit us up on social media at 24 flamespot everybody um and just uh, and thank you so much for uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this episode of Twenty Four Flames Per Second was produced and hosted by me, Robert Spiewak, co-hosted by Quasi Phillips. The panels this week on the roasting side were Casey Romanov and Evan Christopher, and the defense is Katie Bennett. Our music, our show music, as always, has always been composed by Rob Joins and performed by Rob Joins and Will Paulson. And our network and co-op, Party Fish Media, is produced by Will Paulson, Quasi Phillips, and me, Robert Spiewak. And so, um, yeah, everybody next week, uh, we are leaning in hard to some, uh, movies in our backlog that have floated to the top of the list that we just have not gotten to yet. And, um, we're, we're kicking off summer with, uh, with the Goonies next week. So, um be sure to keep an eye out for that. Go and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, leave a rating review and uh, recommend it to other people if you can, so more people can find it and we can make this fourth season, the best season we've had yet. And um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. There's uh, for the Patreon folks, maybe going to be a drink along. It's been hard to get people together for those since the quarantine started. Um, and so we'll, we'll, play it by ear. Um, but, uh, but yeah, should be a, should be a fun time. Should we do one? Maybe we'll do national treasure again. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, everybody, thank you so much for listening and joining us. We'll catch you on the extended play. But if not, we'll catch you next week, everybody. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. 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 Bye.
0: Bye.